Center Gallery. Jenny curated the current show at the gallery, Frame and Unframe, which, in her words, is an exploration of how different artists approach the formations of various visual structures around and within us. The frameworks of our psyches, patterns in details in nature, and the architecture and the streets of the cities we live in. It sounds beautiful, right? And also sounds awesome, right? And also signifies that this person is a lot smarter than me, which as you listen during the interview, you will hear that. Uh, I thought Jenny had a wonderful rap of the interview process, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if I do. Um, and she was amazing. So it was really, it was a lot of fun. Um, so I thought it would be even more entertaining for this episode to have like a roundtable discussion, which I've done once before. And I thought that was a lot of fun. So the roundtable is... The other artists in this show, Frame and Unframe. And yeah, it's in part shameless self-promotion, but there's other, to me, much more interesting artists in this show. So for the discussion, who was present was Catherine Swazik, Laura Canamella, Dorothea Osborne, and Drea LaRose. And uh, it was brilliant to hear as we talked to like hear all of these threads evolve between our work, to hear Jenny's thoughts on maybe like deeper thoughts on putting together the show, which she talks about in the beginning. And, you know, the interview starts and you know, as usual, I, I get there. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. But um, Jenny had agreed to co-host, you know, prior to us meeting. So, uh, you know, I immediately punt to her because <laughs> I had really prepared nothing. And I thought she did a great job uh, taking that, you know, like, hey, well, why don't you start it? And anyways, you'll hear all that. And it, it just turned into like a pretty entertaining discussion and for me like having a co-host um was awesome and uh, i'd love to do it again and if you're listening and you're like hey i would like to co-host once or whatever um you know send a note and you know i don't know if i'll do it but maybe who knows anyway we're all talking about our our work and it's a difficult thing, I think, for any artist um, to like lay into their process. And I think everyone, you know, has some really interesting, thoughtful points. And, you know, the work, you know, as we sat there, you know, we're in the room, we're in the gallery with the work and it starts to reveal itself more and more. And, you know, it was just kind of brilliant to hear everyone's thoughts and opinions. And um, again, to hear those narratives start to be built between the works and have it kind of more 
come alive. And I don't think I talk, I don't really talk about my work to the end. Uh, and here I was like kind of, you know, I think selfishly like, oh, well, I'll talk about my work because I, you know, I always want to do that. So I'll kind of figure out a way to have a show about that. And <laughs> it, it was okay, you know. Um, I never know what to say. I, I always feel like it, it's not that interesting because I feel like my work in a lot of ways is low-hanging fruit. And I don't mean that in a... Um, like in a way that like like I'm not asking for sympathy but like I'm not like trying to uh, play it down but it's just not that complex to me and I, I look at it and I you know I see it for what it is and I don't think I think about it more than that right um, and at the same time you know I don't see what anyone else sees. So they maybe see something different and that's that's always kind of cool. But I, in general, I, I feel like I don't have, it's like the, the, this new body of work, it's like, it's a photograph with drawing on it. And like, that's kind of it. Like, really? You know, like what more, I don't know. I'm not trying to downplay it, but I, I liked that actually in this, like Jenny has a, a, has a background in, art history and that that like in her questioning came across like like it just was a, like a different opinion or a different perspective in leading the questioning and I like that I thought that was like really cool and kind of fun and that was interesting to me um so in a lot of ways I'm just rambling but uh so let's get to the interview. But I thought in uh, celebration of this cool like little show on this funky little street and um, in part for Jenny's cool vibe, we'll listen to this first. And I think you know where it's going. Like a tribe does Before this Did you really know What live was Comprehend to the track Force why Cause getting mentions On the tip Of the vibe buzz Rock and roll To the beat Of the funk fuzz Wipe your feet Really good On the rhythm rug If you feel the urge To freak Do the jitterbug Come and spread your arms If you really need a hug Afrocentric living Is a big shrug A life filled with That's what I love A lower plateau Is what we're above If you diss us We won't even think of We'll nip of the dog And give a big shove This rhythm really fits Like a snug glove Like a box of positives It's a plus love As the trial flies High like a dove
kick it? Yes, you can. Can I 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 kick it? Tribe that flows in layers. Right now, Fife is a point sayer. At times, I'm a studio conveyor. Mr. Dinkins, would you please be my mayor? You'll be doing us a really big favor. Boy, this track really has a lot of flavor. When it comes to rhythms, quest is your savior. Follow us for the funky behavior. Make a note on the rhythm we gave you. Feel free, drop your pants, yank your hair. Do you like the garments that we wear? I instruct you to be the obeyer. A rhythm recipe that you'll savor. Doesn't matter if you're minor or major. Yes, the tribe of the game with the player. As you inhale like a breath of fresh air. So, uh, Jenny, it's great where you're sitting because you've <laughs> actually offered to to lead the conversation. Typically, I do, but I'm in the show. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll have questions, and like I, I just envision this like a free like if you have a question, like hey, why you do that, or why are you here, or what's the meaning of life? Like, feel free <laughs> to ask that because we're all like super brilliant. Um, so yeah, if, Jenny, if you want to start, like this is fun for me. Um, so just like an introduction of like who I am, what I do, or like the no, show? like the show. Like did okay. you did you did you put this show together? Is this your like kind of baby? Yeah. So um, <laughs> this was actually the group here, except for I think one of the artists um, was pulled from our call for art. Um, for 2019. So that kind of exhibition meeting is where we, this group kind of got pulled from. Um, so I kind of, I saw all of your work, obviously, and I saw, oh, there's kind of like the similarity of a sort of geometric structure that is being broken away from or somehow some type of system that is being like kind of broken out of so a lot of the pieces either like literally visually will break from a set geometry or somehow in terms of a process will break from whatever that normal or traditional or conventional um, type of process might be. Um, and then obviously artist outreach and all of that stuff. Um, the show obviously had to be postponed. Um, so that made it a little bit difficult. And then, yeah, just like in the space, arranging, installing, that's kind of like on me. So yeah, this is very much like a, a me process. So it's really exciting, obviously, for me to be able to see everything up and to be able to talk to everyone here um, and just see the works interact with each other. Hmm. Um, I'm always looking to create some type of conversation between pieces especially if they're in extremely different mediums, how different mm -hmm. artists might approach similar ideas or will start from very disparate locations and then convene in ways that kind of come back into one space and might be able to interact with each other that way mm -hmm. to be able to show those types of perspectives. Okay, oops, I just hit the mic. <laughs> Anybody listening? Um, so that's actually pretty interesting because um, I was surprised when I was like walking around seeing the show for the first time, like all the different mediums. So like uh, there's like ceramics, there's sculpture, there's like a lot of printmaking mm -hmm. as well. And then like Drea's, um, I think they're just computer generated, right? Mm -hmm. And then mine is like a, a mix of computer and mm -hmm. photography. So that was kind of interesting, uh, like for me, like coming in um, and just thinking about what you just said of, you know, building like a conversation, like between um, the pieces. Was there anything in particular like you were thinking about in selecting the work 
like aside from like kind of breaking the the space as you were saying? Yeah, I mean, um, from our call from art, we do have an exhibition committee, so I do usually try as much as possible to take their feedback and their ratings and consider that when I'm choosing um, artists for exhibitions in terms of shows. Obviously, that doesn't always happen that way, and I'll sometimes like find other artists, but for this show, Specifically, I had started kind of looking into like post-structuralist critical theory a little bit more and just thinking about subtext in a way and like how that kind of might represent in um, like visual aesthetics, kind of like negative space. So playing with how in visual art, where there are things missing or losses, so to say, for lack of a better term, there might still be something there in terms of like interactivity and how you move about the space created by a work of art. So I was kind of looking into that too. Um, so a lot of the works in this show you see aren't rectangular and like when they are on the wall next to other pieces, there is going to be differences in space and it creates different types of movement. Mm. And it kind of leads the viewer's eye to move in a different way mm. um, rather than just left to right or like up and down, kind of more of a dynamic movement there. Okay, that's interesting. Hmm. I mean, I'm just looking at like, um, like, uh, um, Laura's and Catherine's pieces like side by side and how like they have such a conversation, mm -hmm. you know, um, and like if you were to show me individual photographs of those, I wouldn't like think, but seeing them mm -hmm. like side by side is pretty interesting. Um, I'm actually, Laura, could you talk about like your process a little bit and how like you get to these shapes on the wall? Um, I'm, I work a lot with layers of clay, like slab, really thin slabs that I, you know, lay down one on top of the other. I, I roll them out, I throw them, I, I do a lot of different physical things to them. And I build up kind of like, um, well, something that looks kind of cubish, <laughs> but it isn't really a cube. And then I, um, I break it apart or I slam it in a certain way, or I drop it from the top of a table, or I, I, I manipulate it after I do that, and I tear it apart sometimes, uh -huh. which is what you see on, on Cleofan here. Yeah. Um, so I'm altering it after I've made this construction, then I deconstruct it. <laughs> um, and I was really interesting when I read about your uh, work, uh, Catherine, with... Uh, architecture, the way you seem to be doing the same kind of thing, you know, in a historical way with, with the architecture, with the environment, there, there seem to be so many, you know, similarities with process, even though there were totally different media and totally, well, different, different um, imagery that we're starting with. So Yeah, there's a lot of overlap in the process. The thing that I'm kind of curious to see is different, though. I usually have I don't usually have an image in my head of the finished product, but I usually have like the idea of where I want the next step to start. Do you start with an image in mind, or is it completely intuitive? It's completely intuitive. I I live very close to a gorge and that's you know a stream that that has eroded this incredible waterfall and creek bed, and I walk there every day, and I have all those images in my head, and they guide me, to, but I don't start with one in particular at all. It, it's very much intuitive. But it sounds like nature is, is part of? Oh, very much. Yeah, because I, yeah. I see that, and I think about like a, you know, like a cliff or a gorge, which you're talking about. Or mm -hmm. It's funny that it's so, it's like so, um, the process is so malleable because like the finished product is so hard, right? Like, so you're like, you're gonna end up putting this thing in fire or something like that and cooking it and like, you're really committing to this thing, but it, it starts out as this very like intuitive, like you, you're just going with it. Yeah. And that's funny about you actually, because I look at that and I think of something completely planned out. 
Catherine. Um, and it's like, um, it looks like it takes so much thought. <laughs> but like you're, you have no finished, when you start it, you don't, you kind of don't know the way it's going? I mean, there's a lot of planning phases, um, a lot of sketches and photographing and sifting through historical archives mm -hmm. for photos of things that don't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but I guess at the beginning, there's only a loose idea of where I wanted to end uh -huh. up. I'm kind of starting with the ingredients um, and then figuring out the puzzle kind of in steps as mm -hmm. I go. Because, so you, like when I, when I walk around, there's... Um, printmaking involved and there's some kind of drawing I assume in some of them not in the finished product no. um, I start with sketches and kind of compile uh -huh. those into what becomes a printmaking plate uh, for some of the more recent pieces I'm doing a woodcut print mm -hmm. printing it and then figuring out how I want to change that flat print into a 3D structure. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot of times cutting into that print as it gets wrapped around a wooden structure that I build. Okay. We, that was my, la my, like my last thing was the, the coming off the wall seems like so integral to like um, the pieces. Like, I, could you talk about like where, where did that idea come from? Um, and because it's not a normal printmaking idea you know it's certainly like I think like a you know 20th century art kind of thing but like how did that instinct come about I mean printmaking I think has kind of a duality naturally between intense craft and detail orientedness um, and a lot of times printmakers are very clean and polished and the, the finished product is very much presented but at the same time Printmaking is so much about experimentation. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was in grad school, I started experimenting with combining printmaking and painting, and then sculpture and collage sort of got lumped into there and it evolved <laughs> from there. Uh-huh. So when did the, like, the, this kind of structure thing happen, though? I'm curious, like, was it just the natural extension of, like, looking at architecture? Yeah, it was, I think, mostly a natural reaction to the structures that I was looking at and being able to play with perspective in a flat image as well as being able to push and pull that perspective in a physical mm. way. Oh, that's cool, thinking about perspective. Mm. Okay. Huh. That's interesting. I think that actually leads, as a segue, pretty well into Drea's work, which is kind of similar in that it includes, like, that printing process and then after it's printed it might be manipulated some way to kind of come out from the wall or interact with each other if you wouldn't mind kind of going into that process Rhea like yeah. how you think of that because I remember talking um, over the course of the past year you had made a few different bodies of work that were all kind of different from each other but had the same theme so I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, and, and Catherine, something that I really do love about your work is like the objectness of it and that a lot of the imagery within it is alluding to like taking up physical space and then the actual product itself does take up physical space. And that's something I'm, I'm obviously very interested in too, but I've always really admired that about your work. Um, in terms of uh, my process, um, I always like to include... Um, images or prints of something that refers to something like a brick and mortar structure, something that we know physically exists, you know, in our world and combining it with things that are not of our world. So, you know, fun Photoshop gradients, drop shadows, things that are suggesting something to be real and physical and then presenting it in a print format takes away that physicality. Mm -hmm. Then adding these layers of the actual material back gives it another level of physicality. So I really kind of like working in this way of questioning what is actually tactilely, you know, in front of you, what is not, um, and sort of playing around with that idea and how I can push it. Yeah, I think you really play a lot with space and the connections between layers, whether they're layers within a digital single print or whether they're prints that have been stacked on top like I'm seeing little connections between moments of color and the way you use line to lead things around what is the starting point for yours oh that is a great question um 
It, it varies, um, but typically, like most artists, you give yourself a set of rules of you know what you should include, like what would make for a successful piece. So for me, I always like to include um, something that's very up close, that has a lot of texture, a lot of detail, so that it does feel uh, real. Um, and then I like combining patterns that I don't make. Um, I love using Photoshop-generated patterns, like your standard, um, you know, like I don't, I don't make any of these. That grid that you see there, that's just a stock Photoshop thing. Same with the drop shadows. So, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek there, yeah. you know, things that I'm generating, things that computer's generating, and, and kind of putting those together. And if I can keep that balance between the two of, you know, the image I'm taking with things that are intrinsically Photoshop, that that's usually a good, a good balance for me. Is it like important for you that the, the viewer knows like this was created in the computer, like that it's, this is Photoshop? I'm curious about that. Yeah, that's something I'm thinking about a lot. I don't know if, um, I mean, I think it'd be great if people can kind of see that and say, oh, that definitely looks like a little Photoshop trick. Um, but I think it's okay if they don't, I mean, the, the reason, well not the reason why I make them, but what I'm interested in pursuing when I create these is trying to blur that, that line between what is actually in front of you and what is not. And for me, it's, it's kind of mimicking my own interactions of just how I live my life on my phone sometimes and how that can feel like you're looking at the actual thing and you're not, and we're so used to looking at representations of things. So for hmm. me, this is kind of making sense of how I'm sort of visually uh, absorbing everything. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, so I think that with your work, Drea, because there's such a high degree of that artificiality, that tension between what's familiar and what's known and what's tangible versus what you're doing in Photoshop that very, very blatantly like almost stock quality um, is so interesting to look at, especially because in real life, some of the works will kind of come out at you. Um, but on the other hand, Dorothea, your work also plays with that artificial, familiar tangibility versus something completely whimsical or made up. And it involves a lot of found objects and a lot of juxtapositions that you might not think about normally when you look at things. I know that you use clothes a lot, but it's not identifiable as clothes once it's on the wall. If you might wanna speak a little bit about how you choose your materials and how you might wanna put them together when you're creating, because I know you also create a lot all the time. Sure. Um, I uh, recently had um a death in the family a few years back and acquired a lot of vintage uh, clothing and materials. And I've always been interested in deconstruction and therefore construction, conversely. So I deconstruct a lot of these materials because they're personally relevant to me. Historically, they have a history, they have a lived life, and so I'm I'm reconstructing them, giving them a new life. And when I use these materials, oftentimes I don't really have a particular art object or uh, theme in mind that they're going to manifest into. So I just play with materials, cut them, shred them, fold them, and wrap them, do all different types of things to the materials. And then after a while of of doing this process, um, something will manifest itself. So it's very intuitive. And then because I'm trained as a painter and love oil paint, I'm, I'm adding paint on top of these materials post deconstruction and construction. And then I'll take other objects and materials that are in my studio, which is like Francis Bacon. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, yeah, like Francis Bacon. So I'll take these other materials that are personally relevant and have a history to me, and then I'll incorporate them, like the piece over here that's called Rain. I used audio tape that I had in my studio to sort of uh, give the impression of the sound of rain. Um, 
these are the pieces in this show are about a year old, and I'm I'm currently producing installations that are uh, room size, and if not room size, then about 20 by 10 feet um, in circumference as well, and they're very interactive. There's scent, a touch, um, community contribution, uh, because I want the viewers to become involved in the pieces. I don't want it just to be a standard on the wall, kind of look at this piece of artwork. I want them to be interactive. I want my audience to participate in the work. And so this, these here were a stepping stone in that direction. That's very interesting, yeah. I can see that, like, the way that it kind of goes into space, almost, not disruptive, but in a way that it's kind of hard to ignore. You can't really go around it, because it is, obviously, with rain right here, because the audio tape is so fragile, it's like you can't really, like, fully get into it. It kind of gets into your space instead of you getting into the piece, which I think is a really interesting dynamic or kind of subversion there. So yeah, that's very interesting. Also like the, the work has like a, like it's like, a, I think frail is the wrong word, but it's like, it's like, um, um, like, it, like it almost wants to like fall apart. Like it has like, like it's handmade, like it feels like quick and like immediate and not that it's like any of those things, but it's like, has this like, almost like a, you know, like a, the artist uh, Richard Tuttle, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like it has that kind of vibe to it, like post-minimalist, like, um, like sculpture into painting into something else that like you've never seen before. Which yeah, is I've, like, I've always been interested in the um, dichotomy of producing a sculptural painting, mm -hmm. per se. And that's still where my, my head is. It's like, how do I make these into something other than just a painting? And so part of my artist statement, if you read, read my artist statement, it says I'm interested also in um, the ephemeral. Mm -hmm. So that's that that's a good along. word. That's that, better. That goes along <laughs> with your point. Yeah, right? yeah. Because I think of every experience as ephemeral. It's fleeting. Uh -huh. So I'm trying to capture that essence into my work as 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 part of creating the essence of the theme too. Like rain, it's like so ephemeral. Like uh -huh. Today's weather, for example, it could be raining right. at one minute and then the next. Yes, yeah. it's not. So yeah. I like to capture that ephemeral moment. Uh huh. That's funny. You talk about also your studios, Francis Bacon. As I, my mind gets that way once in a while too. Um, are you? Because you say you're making a lot of work. Are you like your studio practice? Are you there like every, every day? day? Is that's important? Yeah, it's off of my bedroom. <laughs> oh, okay. That's <laughs> so, convenient. Yeah, yeah, I'll go downstairs, make coffee, and then get dressed, go back uh -huh. to my studio, and okay, that's the day, yeah. Yeah, that's Besides cool. Besides teaching part-time, it's my life. Yeah, okay, that's nice. Anybody else go to their studio every day? It's okay to, if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I have two different, I have two different places, the one that I work ceramics in and, and the uh -huh. other one that I, I work paper sculpture too, so. Oh, you make paper sculpture as well? Yes, yes. Oh, that's so interesting. I ha I, I've been focusing more on the ceramics recently, but I, uh -huh. I did do, um, yeah, for a while I only did paper, oh. layers of paper, just like. Two such different materials. Totally. What is going yes. on there? Yes, I I work with them both as layers, so it's it's really they're not well, they're they're different in what you do after you cut the layers and after you alter the pieces um, mm -hmm. because the paper is done, <laughs> and the ceramics still have a long way to go before yeah. they're really finished. What's the scale of these papers? The paper cultures? ones are small. I I just started working on some that are two by two. 12, oh, cute. Layers, 12 layers <laughs> of paper small, yeah. and they're, you know, they're not even a quarter of an inch thick. Um, what? But yeah. Now, would you make your own paper? I don't, but oh, okay. I have, I, um, I, my daughter lives in Japan and when I go to oh. Japan, 
there's such yeah, beautiful yeah. washi right. paper stores yeah. that I, I always tend to come back with some paper. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, 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 you know, even though I've been doing ceramics for a while, I just, um, I started thinking, you know, I gotta, I have to use this paper. This How is, are you manipulating these papers? It's folding layering or? up. It's layers. I, I, it's cut paper layers. So I start at the top and then add another piece and then cut and then mm-hmm. add another piece. So it's, it's from usually from top to bottom. Hmm. Um, hmm. And the ceramic pieces, I don't have um, really a whole lot to do with the color. There is maybe a little glazing or in wood firing, such as um, like the Moulin piece there, that Niriyagi, different colors of, uh, different types of porcelain that came out entirely different colors, uh, you know, that the wood firing did that. Mm. Um, but for the paper, it's different because I can choose my palette before I start. Right. And, you know, I, again, the last few days, that's what I've been doing, and it's been, it's been nice, uh, you know, a nice contrast, and, and, uh, but it still has a lot of connections to the way that I work with the, with the clay. Mm. When I was at Purchase College, there was a... Um, uh, I was in the, the printmaking program. I was like photography and printmaking. Mm-hmm. And in the printmaking department, there was a whole paper making, like a cult. Yeah. Um, and they would, uh, they would make uh, uh, a lot of 3D, out- like it was pretty cool. Like they would, like out of the pulp, they would, it was like really weird. Uh, and then some people would just make like a sheet of paper. And that would, I thought that was cool, but I was like, you could buy that too. No, <laughs> and then they would print on it, right? Uh, so that was that was interesting. Um, but yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, when you said you know paper sculptures, I was I didn't know if it was like a pulp thing or you know like a, like you're just kind of bending paper and layering it and doing layering it, it yeah, and yeah. cutting it, and gluing it together. That's cool. Yeah, interesting. So um, yeah, you have to see that. Can yeah. you talk about your process, mm. Justin? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, sure. So, um, like the, a lot of the work in, in this show is, um, like newer stuff. Um, and, um, I don't know who asked me before. I kind of lied, but like, um, so the work here is like, um, some of it is just like older digital photographs. I had never done anything with, um, and some of it is, uh, like film photographs I had never done anything with. And the past, I think, started like during the pandemic. Like I started like, um, I had this great idea. I was going to like do a ton of photography and I just didn't. Um, so then I was like, well, let me clean my studio. Primarily I like, I work in the studio um, and like set up things and photograph them. But in cleaning the studio, I found like all these like old negatives I had never done anything with. Like, like, so like as a photographer, like, you know, you take the photograph and then your next hat that you wear is like an editor and you got to quickly decide, is this negative worth doing anything with? And I'm a horrible editor. So I would just like throw it away, be like, ah, it's garbage. Um, but then I saw, like, I had all these photographs, like, I, like well, let me do something with them, um, you know, after 20 years of taking photographs. Um, and uh, I started scanning them and playing with them, and somehow that kind of gave me more liberty to, like, draw on them in the computer, because that was, like, I, I really enjoy, like, drawing and painting, like, that was my first uh, thing I wanted to do, and I probably said multiple times I'm, like, a failed painter. Um, but um, yeah, so like the work here is all done in the computer um, and a lot of it is like old negatives and you know, I'll do stuff to them. Um, and a lot of it is just drawing in the computer. Um, the older digital images like that I drew on, like they're, um, they're from a trip I took to Mexico after grad school, um, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and it was just like really experimenting with like space and like the drawing process and then also kind of like what Drea was saying like um like allowing in some instances like photoshop to like show itself (laughs) so like i call it like bad photoshop like where i'll just like copy something quick and move it over and then like so you get like you're like oh okay there it is 
But then for me, it's very important, like, uh, like the, like mark making, like so in the computer, like how do you how do you do that? So it looks it, so it can look it can look two ways. It can look very obvious, like that's a computer did that, like so like the mouse, or I, I spend hours with a drawing tablet, like trying to really make it look like as if a pen did it, or you know so like a lot of the marks on there look like really like um, quick and easy. Like, oh, it's just a scribble, but there's probably like a thousand scribbles I did before I got the right scribble. <laughs> so, but a lot of it was just like fun. It was like a license to like just take apart the photograph and go on these weird tangents. Um, I had this like uh, uh, professor who would like only work on like a two inch by two inch square of his painting at a time. Um, and he would cover it up with post-it notes. So I would kind of do that in the computer I would like zoom in and just get like a weird little tangent going. And then I'd like to move to the next spot and not reference the spot before. So it becomes like this new thing. You're like, oh. Um, yeah, so that, <laughs> that's what this work is about. Um, and it's just like a lot of like, uh, like weird uh, drawing tangents. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what's going on there. Yeah, the colors are are beautiful the way the, the gradation um, happens in this particular one over here on the wall. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was, um, that's a funny one because that, so yeah, that's in my studio. That's the corner. And I actually planned that one to draw on. So that was like after having done a few of these, I'll like, well, let me set up something and see if I can like, I'll get like a start going and then I'll, I'll like finish it in the computer. Um, the, I, I still, the, the photography process is, 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 is like really important um, for me because th that's always how it starts. It always starts as like something, um, you know, I'll see something and I'll be like, okay, let me take a picture of that. And then, you know, weeks later I'll think, I'll see a shape and I'm like, well, that shape could go with that. And um, it's kind of how they've been working lately. I think you and Andrea both have a similar kind of tension between the digital elements and like little fragments of the real. Like I can see little hints of like what might be an actual real life shadow in some of the pieces, whether it's in shadows that you've photographed or in shadows that she's made by putting two different prints together. Interesting. And then that works with the push and pull of space that's happening with both of them too in mm. such a, you know, intriguing way that you, you keep looking at the real and then, you know, at the other parts that are more abstract parts that are, are floating in front and then mm -hmm. back and forth. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. Like that one over there, like that, that totally became not a photograph anymore. Right. <laughs> it just like kind of kept falling apart and falling apart. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the fun of it, I guess, um, is like what ends up happening. Yeah, looking at your work, like over the years, I, I always knew that drawing informed your work to some degree, but I didn't know how integral it was in the actual process. Like mm. this idea of creating, you know, these, you know, digital lines and how can you kind of go back into the photograph and repurpose it in a way that feels both digital and, and physical. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I didn't know that you had all this, all this drawing in there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's like my first love. And like a lot of my earlier photographs, they start as drawings. Like mm -hmm. I'll just sketch it out and then in the studio I'll kind of build it. Um, yeah, but then the digital, like the fun thing about taking those old images from um, uh, Mexico was like, because um, there was a, like a camera that was like 20 years old, you know, and like, <laughs> like it just seemed so wrong to use that file because it was like two megs but I was like oh who cares you know I'll just like <laughs> blow it up and I'm going to draw on it and mm -hmm. like it's going to fall apart and become more digital and um, maybe that's like a dorky thing that only matters to me but yeah that matters <laughs> it really did <laughs> um, yeah I mean I think it's also interesting to um playing off of Amanda's work. Unfortunately, Amanda couldn't make it here. With the idea of repetition and transparency and illumination, because I really get that sense, and even Katie, in your work, because of the way that even though a lot of it is just black and white, 
and then wood, you see those lines with that type of kind of an implication of some type of light source. So um, I think it's really interesting. I had a, um, a drawing professor my freshman year of undergrad who had really harped on just obsessiveness and repetition in work. So I was wondering for you here how much kind of things are just the same thing over and over again and how much is improv and how much is remix off the like variation on a theme kind of type of thing. Might be a little bit too broad, I don't know. <laughs> well, definitely doing the layering part is very repetitious. Right. So when I have days that, okay, these are layering days, this is when I'm, I'm building up. It is just very, very, very repetitious. Um, but then taking it apart, deconstructing, and, and you know, it, it kind of, you kind of have to have one before the other if you're, you know, going to be working the way I, the way I am. So um, I don't know. You try and find that balance. I love when you see remnants of the layers in the pieces that have been altered. Um, I think that's that makes it interesting to look at that as a contrast um, because you know some of them you, you see the the very repetitious part, mm -hmm. but then you see that they've been altered so much. So. Right. Yeah, it's, I think that for your work, Laura, you can really kind of see like that physical labor that kind of went in there, um, which is so interesting because it's almost like at once incidental, but also very purposeful and intentional, which I think is very interesting. I've done work in ceramics before and it's sometimes it's just doing the same action over and over again just to be able to actually create something. Um, so yeah, that's very interesting, especially with taking things out after deconstructing. Yeah. The process for both the paperwork and the, and the ceramic work, the process is very important. And I like that the process is visible in, uh, in the work. And I think a lot of us has talked about that in some ways, how important that, you know, being able to see the Photoshop things, uh, you know, mm. in, in the ones that use digital or, mm. or, you know, being able to see the construction of what, you know, Katie's behind the, the sculpture is and being able to see what you put in. So, um, uh, yeah, Dorothea. <laughs> Dorothea's work. Uh, you know, also, so the process is so important here, um, I think, for all of us. Yeah, yeah I think there's a lot of layering that ties the show together too. I mean, the, the title's frame on frame and we definitely all work with um, either fitting within and playing with that typical rectangle of an image or completely breaking that frame of a rectangle. Uh, but even the artists who aren't here to talk about their work, like Sean's wood pieces, really break that mm -hmm. um, strict geometric form and there's so much layering of all of those pieces of wood, I can't imagine how they <laughs> fit all that together. Yes, yeah, um, found then, works, or found wood too. So, yeah. yeah. Really? Oh, that's yeah, wow. Their work is incredible. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they find the wood and they'll sometimes, some of their other works will be like tables or pallets with even maps of Albany, like local cities and stuff like that. So even that takes something found kind of like Dorothea's and is very transformative in that way. And then the final piece, obviously it's not always going to be like a perfect cube or something like that. It might play with the geometry that way. I don't really want to talk for them, but just so that we have a little background there because unfortunately they couldn't make it either. Um, yeah, there's all that layering yeah, and the exactly. repetition. Same thing with Amanda's prints. There's that repeated process right. of uh, whether it's intaglio or relief printing and the geometric forms that she's just recycling and layering. Oh. I think, for, Katie, for yours, it's kind of interesting because you do use a printmaking process and usually for printmaking you can create a series of additions, but... I'd imagine for you that's not really quite as possible because you are playing with the three-dimensionality and kind of coming into space. I mean, I do print the plates as just a single static flat yeah. image, um, but the sculptures are where the fun part is. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, we all seem to be uh, very much interested in the intuitive and the process. 
mm-hmm. in producing the work. I know for a lot of us, that's a critical aspect of producing. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the hands-on process. Right. Um, so when you're exhibiting your work, how much do you want for viewers to know about that process versus just looking at whatever your work is, either on a wall or in space and interacting with that? Is that something that you're thinking about that you want that process to be transparent or is it kind of like what you see is what you see and it creates its own dialogue in that way? Well, for me personally, um, I don't hide the process. Mm -hmm. It's Obviously, it's there. It's bordering on raw. <laughs> so I, I think it's important for the, the viewer to see that and then become involved with the work. And the more that the viewer interacts with the work, the more it, that's revealed. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of really intimate parts to these large-scale pieces, like eyelashes, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hair nets that are almost transparent mm-hmm. and translucent, and the process is is very very apparent, and I want that to be part of the, mm-hmm. the viewer's experience. Hmm. Well, I think your work might be the most unexpected process, Justin, because mm-hmm. at first you can see that there's. It's an inkjet print, you know, that there's some digital elements of layering, but I don't think people always realize that there are often photographs in there. Like, I didn't realize it in this one until I saw the way that multiple shadows had the same light source. Mm-hmm. So, it's just interesting the way that your process is less obvious, I think, to some people. Yeah, I'm working hard. Doing my best. <laughs> so... I, uh, on that note, um, I'm trying, guys. <laughs> um, I think we should wrap it up because um, I'm having a lot of fun. Um, too much. Uh, so, well, anyways, um, Jenny, thank you for co-hosting. Oh, thank you so much for that was all super of this. fun. This has been yeah, great. yeah, yeah. And uh, thanks to everyone else here. Yes, thank you. Thank Justin you. Yeah, yeah. And the people who couldn't be here, too bad. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Thank you again. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect.